episode 27 of the Kidney Cloud, a podcast following Geelong Cats overtaking the Bulldogs in the Saturday Twilight match, 133 to 89 in round nine. With me here is Jake and Ol, as always. Boys, how are we? Good, thank you, Ro. Thanks for having me again. Good, thanks, Ro. I'm pretty excited to review this one. Very excited. I'll actually start off maybe probably the the most positive moment from the match, that end of the match with two minutes left on the stoppage, pretty much epitomizes our season so far in terms of the positivity that's going around. Tom Stewart on Tom Libertore, he's absolute specky and a half. One of the best marks, I think, uh, from recent memory at at, uh, Kidinia Park. Just so happens to perhaps be the the second best mark of the round, as Hutto described in the commentary. Oh, it's, you know, terrific. And it just capped off a a solid win for us. Cheeky grinning aside and double All-Australian status upcoming aside. I'm locking it away. (laughs) Done. Yep. We'll get into it, Jake. Uh, Disposals. They did beat us. They this wasn't the, the 2016 Western Bulldogs that came out and fought us, but this was a good, solid side that came to Community Park and did fight us. They beat us in the disposal count. Clearances, they beat us as well, 44 to 33 in dogs' favour. Inside 50s were matched, 50 both. Contested possessions, the Cats did have more. We just pipped them in the tackle department, 56 to 53. Hitouts. Some new blood being introduced, Darcy Fort and Ryan Abbott, who we saw a bit of last year, 41 to 28, albeit no Tim English and no great ruck stocks from the dogs. Jake, how, how did you see this one play out over four quarters? Yeah, it was a pretty um, entertaining match, to be honest. It was pretty free-flowing and uh, both teams seemed to, you know, bring it up and down the ground pretty easily. There was actually a lot of free kicks in the first quarter, which sort of detracted from that. But overall, I think the game was, as I said, pretty free-flowing. Um, I was really excited to see the two Ruffin um, playing in the team. I, I've been a big fan of Ryan Abbott, and I've been really keen to get him in the team. And I was happy to see him in for Reece Stanley, and I thought um, it would be a good game to try uh, not one, not just the one, but maybe two with the Ruffin. Obviously, Fort was fantastic on debut, and I think he's just locked himself a spot in for the next couple of weeks. Um, in one game, he's kicked more goals than Radigalese kicked in seven weeks, unfortunately, and looks to be that missing link we might have had uh, between that mid-forward marking presence who can uh, push higher up the ground. But as a whole, um, some of our players performed really well, especially Mitch Duncan again, who's been our most consistent player for the whole year. And um, yeah, credit to the Bulldogs. They didn't play poorly at all, but I think our, our class and our star power at the end just got us over the line. Yeah, exactly. And for anyone listening out there, well, Jake, and we're on this recording right now. There's a bit of whimpering in the background. That's no <laughs> clatter, that's no clatter crying at all. That is the sound of some bulldogs whimpering <laughs> just behind <laughs> you, Jake. 44 points. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's what it does to you, dogs. <laughs> I am house-sitting two dogs this week, and I don't think that they're happy that a cat support is looking after them, so they're a bit whingy about us beating the dogs by a few goals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned there uh, Darcy Fort on debut, coming in for Savarada Galea, three goals to his name, taking marks, taking solid marks. We've talked 
about the presence of Sav all previously, even if he doesn't manage to take a mark, just his huge leap being able to bring it down and what it does for the Crummers. Yep. Uh, there's the flip side where he is 20 years of age. He's still learning the game in a sense, uh, being relatively new to AFL, having played soccer for the majority of his life until recent years. Darcy Fort, a mature age body, comes in, a South Barn boy, associated with Tom Stewart, takes clean marks, three clean marks in the forward line. On top of that, also creating just another presence for Hawkins to kick another bag, for Rowan to just create a bit of nuisance to him. Kicks another three as well. Gary Ron, the quick fan favourite. Darcy Fort, how did you see his game play out, Ol? Oh, very, very serviceable. Um, you know, there, there were there were certain patches throughout the game where I um, I would have liked to have seen a, a bit more from from the two ruck inclusions. You know, but they they did their job more or less. They were pretty serviceable for most of the game, and uh, you know, good second efforts, particularly from Abbott in the center of the ground um, around the center square. You know, once or twice, a couple of good tackles and some uh, released handballs out um, out into space. Fort's marking deep was um, pretty deadly. I mean, for him to be standing in the goal square, there's not too many guys that are going to be able to outmark him with his uh, height and reach. So he used it to his advantage, was able to provide a good target for us. Jake, having Darcy Ford and Ryan Abbott in this match, we talked previously that this potentially is the perfect match of the season to blood either one of them. Both of them played on the weekend against Western Bulldogs with some, let's be honest, some poor quality ruck stocks, especially when Tim English wasn't out there on the field. However, I did worry at me at quarter time when Jackson Trengrove had eight hitouts, Ryan Abbott had two, and Darcy Fort had one. I think at around the same time, Jake, you sent me a, a, a tweet in the group chat regarding um, Ryan Abbott, just the off-work presence he was doing. He did finish the match really well in terms of the hitouts department. We did, we did beat Western Bulldogs in the hitouts department. Jackson Trigger, fair play to him, though. Not a natural Moroccan. I thought he had a fantastic game. 18 disposals, 24 hitouts, six tackles and a goal to go with that. As a Bulldogs fan, you couldn't ask that more of Jackson Trengrove in the ruck. But the fact that it was Jackson Trengrove, how do you, I guess, weigh Darcy Fort and Ryan Abbott's contribution performance in this match? Did they perform really well? Or was it against a poorer or slash VFL Ruckman? Well, I think I think um, the, the real positives to take out of Abbott's game especially didn't really revolve around the Ruckman that he was playing. Um, his strength is... So he's an all right tap Ruckman, but his strength is when he does those uh, tackles in and around the, a stoppage or a clearance where he'll, he'll tackle a player. And I think it he had two tackles in the first quarter. One of them directly led to a turnover from that tackle, which led to Hawkins' goal in the first quarter. So yeah. 
that's where his strength is because he, he's not slow at all and, he, and he's quite nimble and strong. He, he can actually, I think it was Johannesson actually he tackled, which uh, caused the turnover and led to Hawkins' goal. So um, his work rate around the ground was pretty good and, you know, it might not be as good as Reese Stanley's, but he still worked hard to get to some marks around the ground. He actually finished the game with four tackles, which is pretty decent for a Ruckman. Um, I don't think he marked as much as Fort did. Yeah, so Fort had three marks, Abbott had three as well, so they got around the same. But I think together as, as a ruck duo, they combined really well. Abbott probably spent more time in the ruck, and obviously Fort, they said in the coverage that he was more of a forward than a ruckman uh, for South Bow. And um, Fort was fantastic with his three goals, and, and I think, Ro, you mentioned how, how good his hands actually are, and Ol can probably elaborate a bit more on uh, that's probably where the one sort of weak spot Geelong's had this year is is that you know dominant um, taller forward or taller marking player that can push up the ground and kick goal as well. Asav has been good at um, you know marking and making contests for the smaller crumbing players, but you know it works better if we can actually mark you know long balls down the line and, and convert a kick or a handball to a running player who can then help deliver inside fifty, which I think um, Fort will be in the team next week because of that. Yeah, I can't see Fort getting uh, uh, removed from the squad um, for the next game um, after a performance like that. It was, it was, you know, solid. And despite only having what did he have? I think nine disposals or something. Yep. Very few players in the Geelong team had very much of the ball. I mean, it's uh, you look at the stats and the the Bulldogs had. A fair amount more uh, possessions than than Geelong, and um, a few more of the uncontested possessions. Geelong did have a greater number of contested possessions. Yeah, I think our highest disposal winner in the end was uh, Mitch Duncan, and he only had um, in the mid somewhere in the mid twenties, something like twenty five. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Elite. Um, elite. Which is <laughs> not ideal. It's, um, it's standard Mitch Duncan, 92% disposal yeah. efficiency. It is standard. It is three, standard. Three, three goals, six inside 50s. Arguably best on ground. I'm going to actually say no for me. I'm going to be devil's advocate. Mitch Duncan was my second. My best on ground was actually Jackson Trengrove for the reason being he's not a natural ruckman. 18 disposals on top of 24 hitouts, a goal, a large amount of tackles. I thought Trengrove could not have done any better. Yeah, he was pretty good. I thought um if we're being you know if we're being objective I thought uh, Mitch Wallace was also pretty pretty good. Um yeah he, he always plays well in July Mitch Wallace. So um yeah, it was more of the same from, from him. But yeah um in terms of the consistency of Mitch Duncan at the moment um twenty five disposals and a high disposal efficiency percentage is pretty standard. Yeah. He would have to be. He would have to be in uh, consideration for um, some Australia. awards, of some sorts, at the end of the year. Yeah. Mm. Hey, hey, Duncan. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. But the Bulldogs, you're right that the midfield you've raised whilst there, Trengrove was a midfielder himself in terms of the amount of disposals that he did gain and the goal that he kicked. McRae gaining 29 disposals, Mitch Wallace 29 disposals, Lockie Hunter 26 disposals, 
They were matched there by the likes of young Bailey Smith, 28 disposals. Uh, Josh Dunkley and Sam Lloyd were pests at times, brought us to us, as well as Toby McLean. Bontempelli, I didn't think he had a, a great game, to be honest. He had two fantastic goals, but 20 disposals, he didn't hurt us that much, as, aside from his obvious two goals. His use of the ball, I don't think, really hurt us. So although they had a lot more disposals within the midfield and uncontested disposals, where it really mattered was the inside 50s, use of inside 50s, and our contested possessions. Highlight now how many weeks we've been talking about this, Tim Kelly. It's contested possessions along with danger and clearances. Mm. Uh, It's just incredible, Jake. Danger came off injured, still spent the match with 86% time on ground, along with that 23 disposals, which would have been a lot more than that had he not gone off. Still finishes the match, a really solid match. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty good considering his injury troubles over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he had six clearances as well, which was the second most for the Cats with Tim Kelly, obviously with ten. Um, he had a couple of uh, of goal assists as well, which is which is a great thing for him to be doing. Um, any delivery from Dangerfield into the forward fifty or around that area um, is fantastic. That one play in particular where it was you know sort of a long ball down the line into Geelong's forward fifty and it popped out of the pack. Dangerfield, Tim Kelly, who did that one-step balk and, you know, fend off a player back to Dangerfield. And then, you know, Duncan finished that goal sort of late in the second quarter. Anytime there's a player with those three players involved, you pretty much guaranteed a goal from that point. And, yeah, that was a great piece of play and a great goal. That was one of the moments of the game, I think. That kind of uh, underlined our quality at the moment. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, he raised just before that Mitch Duncan was our highest disposal getter with 25 disposals. And with the likes of Patrick Dangerfield, Tim Kelly, Joel Selwood all on the ground, that that is a surprise. That would be a surprise at our home ground. But having said that, looking at the output of the other players, who can you name that didn't produce a reasonable output? Brandon Parfit, another good game. 18 disposals, six tackles. Crucial. Adding to mm. a goal to that as well. Um, Grian Myers, I, I, I'm not sure how, how to, to keep applauding Grian Myers. He loves selling candy. He loves doing the <laughs> he loves doing the things you're taught not to do. <laughs> he does them to perfection. He pulls them off every single time. Uh, Dalhouse as well. A little bit of uh, have that boys tackles to his yeah. old former team, as he as he called it, Jake. Um, yeah. He, he had a, a good game as well and good disposal efficiency going with that. The real one for me that continued, and this is nine rounds in a row now, Mark O'Connor in defense just stood up, six rebound 50s, a second highest following Tom Stewart with eight, who's taken yep. Zach Tui as the number one rebound 50 of the, the Geelong Cats at the moment. And Mark just continues to impress every, every single week. Uh, in a match where Joel Selwood has 21 disposals and is is quieter, going less than 76 disposal efficiency, Joel was play- obviously playing a different role this year, more on the wing. That's why we're seeing the likes of Chook and Atkins at times in the centre, uh, along with Cam Guthrie, who I thought had another game. It was just a whole complete 
performance. Uh, I know Western Bulldogs did push us at times and there were moments within the matches where, look, okay, we could have extended this to maybe over 30 points and 36 points and killed the match. And there were times when we were down, sorry, we were only up by 11 points and Mm. and a bit of fear was riding there. Um, whether the Bulldogs could really, really come back because 13 goals against us on our home ground, that's quite an achievement uh, along with the disposals and the, as the stats we've already mentioned. But we stuck with it for the whole game and this was a four-quarter display. Uh, when they were peppering us, we stood strong. Our back line stood strong. Your individual performances, Jake, we've identified the midfield there. The back line, I thought Blitzarves again, I think last week, 11 one percenters on Ben Brown. We spoke about him breaking even eight one percenters this week. We they Bulldogs didn't have a, a natural goal kicker. I think Bonts kicked the most of them with two goals and, and Mitch Wallace, I think, chipped in with two, but the rest were just singular goal kickers. The likes of Harry Taylor really did their job. You, you can call out, all right, Jack Henry maybe could have, spoiled a, a contested mark that led to some Bulldogs goals and the same for for Jordan Clark as well. However, can you really be unhappy that much after this display? K-Rock was saying during the third quarter that Jack Henry and Kolodashny went the whole quarter without a touch. So I think we're seeing a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say fatigue, but obviously the form that, you know, some of our players have been carrying during the season. It's extremely hard to keep that form up, you know, for every single game. And and obviously we were talking last week about the Bulldogs are a very peppy side and they can catch you off guard, much like Gold Coast next week, which we'll talk about later. But obviously the, there's, you know, you can't expect every single game for these young, young up-and-coming players to be performing at the absolute maximum every week. So um, I th- I still think every player contributed to the team this week there was definitely no one that let us down um but yeah there's just um you know little bits of fatigue and you know just little human moments from some of the players coming into the game a little bit Mm, i tend to agree with that but i i think there's probably merit to to just this argument which is i mean does it really matter if our defenders aren't touching the ball very often as long as the forwards aren't their opponents, you know? If, no, like, because we don't, we don't have a stat for how many times Kolodashny or Jack Henry stop their opponent for from getting the ball as well, so it's hard to really gauge how good or bad yeah. they actually do. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, to use an example from um, seasons gone by, I mean, Tom Lonigan is an example of a player that never really got that much of the ball over the years, but always did a good job of uh, keeping his opponent relatively quiet. There was a period of time, um, you know, when Geelong was all conquering that you didn't really want Tom Lonigan to touch the ball and you got a little bit nervous when he, when he had it because you were wondering what's he going to do with it. But, um, you know, eventually he just, uh, just knew his limitations and just um, got the ball and disposed of it quickly and, and efficiently and it didn't matter how many touches he had as long as his opponent didn't get much of it. And wasn't damaging. Um, it didn't matter what it looked like on the stat sheet for for him as a defender. How much do you think this match would have been changed on the scoreboard 
or Western Bulldogs' presence up forward would have improved if Tom Stewart and Mark Blitzarbs went on the ground for us. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to really put into words how important those two players are. And we saw a good example of that last week when Stewart was off the ground and North Melbourne kicked half their goals in the time that he was off the ground. Um, Blitzarbs, I think, I feel like every week Blitzarbs is leading the one percenters character. Uh, category on the stat sheet. He had another eight one percenters this week and as we said last week as well, most of them would have been spoils or blocks on players trying to get into position uh, for a mark or get into better position for goal. Um, Blitzarves is going a little bit unheralded and Ollie just sort of commented on you don't need a lot of disposals to have an impact in the game. Blitz only had 11 touches but you know he keeps getting like double figure one percenter category stat wise every week and, you know, he'd get his, like, eight or so marks. And I'm sure if I saw this hat for spoils, you'd have a few of them as well. So he's doing a fantastic job, as is Stuart. Top of the ladder, it's happy days. The one little blip to take out of this game, uh, oh, was the Dangerfield injury. But according to Chris Scott, we'll miss one to two weeks. You look at the fixtures that we're coming up against, Gold Coast away, followed by Sydney at home. That's eight points for me in the bank. Oh, well, I mean, based off of, you know, current form and based off of the, uh, the schedule that we've, um, we've been witness to, um, and some of the matches we've seen from, um, from those two teams. Yeah, we're, we're within our rights to again be confident that we'll do well and probably win both matches somewhat comfortably, perhaps. But again, you can't speak too soon and you don't want to be overconfident but we we have every right to go into the game feeling like we can put in a good performance how about you jake it, it would you consider these next two fixtures with danger out charlie constable had a lower output this match only 11 disposals he put in six tackles which was really key for chook yep. so in that respect chook had a decent game all right Atkins was out for this match. Uh, looks like he'll be available for Gold Coast. Is it as simple as danger out, Atkins in? Bearing in mind that Atkins at times has been playing full forward throughout this season at various stages, similar to danger, has been playing in the centre at time, uh, has been playing at half forward. So a little bit of a similar role there. Yeah, if Dangerfield came out, I would have, yeah, I'd expect um, Atkins probably to come back in. Um, there were some players such as Lockie Fogarty playing in the VFL, I know, that played okay. Um, so I don't think they'd rush Fogarty back in. And I think Atkins was probably okay to play this week, but they knew Constable was there to come in anyway. Um, Gold Coast as a whole have stung us a couple times before at Metricon Stadium, so I'm not too... Overly confident over this game. I'd, I'll probably feel better after quarter, quarter time to just see that we've rocked up. But I'm pretty comfortable knowing that those sort of games where it's a 50 50 um, for the other team, maybe <clears throat> are out of our system now, where we rock up and we're just in the wrong headspace and we start poorly and they get off to a six or five goal head start and then we spend the rest, the next three quarters sort of working the game back onto our terms. I'm pretty comfortable that those games are out of our system now. So Again, as long as we keep our um, heads on straight and don't get complacent, I think, yeah, the next two games should be 
should not be easy pickings, but yeah, we should uh, just be comfortable with with the win there. So we have enough on. quality. We have enough quality on on the field to get the job done in the I next think so. time. I'd, yep. I'd be worried if we were talking about upcoming matches against Gold Coast and Sydney and not having enough quality on the field. To be honest, these two matches for me are the most important of the season in terms of wins. Win-loss ratio, we saw last season losses. We've pointed out against Western Bulldogs, got crushed against Essendon, some close losses as well that really stretched us away from gaining a top-four position. It looks like we'll go into the bye having nearly secured, potentially secured top-four in the bank. If we get these new next two matches, wins, followed by Richmond for the bye, and I'll be fair to Richmond, that's the 50-50 match. Yeah, very, that's, a, that's a very tough team. That's a big game. That's that's a big challenge, Richmond, because they're we know how how injured they are at the moment. They've got some key players missing, but they still have the structure and you know the backing of their coaching staff. That they're they're not just going to be a team that sort of lays down to die. That we saw, you know, last or yesterday, you know, they've got players like Noah Bolter out of nowhere. You know, Nank goes down injured, and you think, oh, well, they haven't got a Ruckman now. They bring Soldo in, who does a good job, and then. Bolter's playing in the ruck and he's, you know, Adam Goods-esque, just playing every position on the ground and doing it fantastically. So mm. they've definitely got some secret and hidden weapons that we need to watch out for Richmond. I think that's a, a big test before the bye. And uh, if we, you know, if we beat Richmond, I'd be, uh, I'd be happy with that, definitely. And there's another one, just another uh, secret weapon, or not so secret anymore, but he's, um, he's burst on the scene, Sydney Stack. Yeah. So, you know, he's a player to, to keep an eye on. You know, that they're they're a champion team and they've they've been there or they've been to the top of the mountain or they've been there or thereabouts, uh, for, you know, the last two seasons. So it's not gonna be easy at all. It's gonna be a test for us as essentially a challenger to what is effectively the last champion. Because um, I guess we've We've kind of vanquished the West Coast Eagles, um, at least in the last game that we played. So this is the next big challenge for us when it's uh, when it comes to Richmond. But we can't look too far ahead. We've got to, you know, keep uh, keep our head above water or head out of the clouds, I guess, and just keep focused. Exactly. Should we take a little break, boys? Then we'll answer some fan Q and A questions. Talk about some. The VFL boy performances on the weekend. Sounds good. Sounds good. No worries. The VFL boys played Collingwood on the weekend, Jake, and it was a, a close one in the end. 68 to 61 in favour of the Cats. Bendigo Bang Cats. Wally Bozza, five goals. Yeah, that would have been uh, very handy, you know, if he did that a couple of weeks ago when Asava was maybe struggling a bit, it would have been a good option to bring him in straight straight away because <laughs> they're pretty much the exact same type of player. Um, yeah, it's good to see the, uh, the depth that we've got. Not only did we bring Abbott and Fort in this week, but we've got names, you know, the likes of Buzzer with five goals. Lockie Fogarty had 15 tackles back in his second match in VFL. 
Oh, you said that Scott Sale would play the full game. He had 11 tackles. Smith had a best. Zach Smith had a best on grand performance with like 48 hitouts and 21 touches and six tackles, I think. And um, Jermaine Jones was in there again. Jed Buse was back. Parsons was listed in the best. So, as we were talking about a little bit last week, depth is the most important thing to have during a season, especially especially at the pointy end of the year going into finals, as we saw with Richmond and West Coast and Bulldogs having those no-name players play finals and well in grand finals is yeah fantastic and is worth a lot. Yeah, exactly. You know, another name there. Jed Buse played the match as well. So that's two weeks in a row that Buse has played back in the VFL following uh, a slow start to the season with injury problems. But to have in backup Zach Smith, Wiley Bazaar, Scott Selwood playing the full match now, Zach Guthrie having a, and Parsons having a good game, as you pointed out, Jake, Rocky Fogarty's look like he's killing it in the VFL lately. Sam Simpson's been promising. And Jed Buse back on his way as well. That's that's serious depth, and that's serious senior depth as well. The likes of Scoot Selwood, um, Jed Buse, and Zach Smith. Really, really promising signs. But in terms of this week coming at Metricon Stadium, all other than danger, we've already mentioned potentially if, assuming that Tom Atkins is fit, knowing that he was originally listed in the the twenty two two face Western Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Would it be the just Tom Atkins for danger, or do you see any other changes following that VFL match that you just mentioned there? Um, I think uh, well, we were we were considering um, you know t- potential changes of uh, along the lines of uh, Fogarty coming in, but I'm not sure if uh, Fogarty's had enough of a run. Maybe they want to give him an extended um, extended uh, run in the VFL to regain some form and um, fitness and so forth. But he has done, obviously, very well of late. Um, but the less changes, the better at the moment, I would say. Um, so, you know, just keep the... Keep using the same handful of players that we've been... Um, been using i think i've mentioned before that we only have used uh well definitely less than 30 players this year um and i think at the time of mentioning it last time i mentioned somewhere around uh, 26 or 27 players for this for the year that we had um that we'd used so um that's you know that's terrific signs and it shows that we've We've had a bit of uh, the rub of the green with um, injuries and, and, and that sort of thing. That Maybe not so much in the Kangaroos game. And, um, you know, there's a few sore bodies in that. But um, overall, you know, it's been like for like most of the time with the changes. And um, I would expect Atkins to come in if he is fit. I don't know, like, what... What more, in terms of justification, do you need to bring him back in? Um, you know, he's uh, added a lot to the team while he's been in and played really well. So he deserves another opportunity. Um, I don't think Constable will be taken out or omitted or anything or rested, of whatever you want to call it, as they've done in previous uh, games. I think he will stay in. I don't think Fort 
can be taken out after his debut game, which was pretty impressive. So, yeah, probably just the singular change. Which probably leads us on to the next segment. If you want to answer some Q&A fan questions, boys. Yeah, let's do it. Straight in. Chris Palmer says, love Tom's reference to him, meaning uh, Bailey Smith, about the shaved sides and this clown, Bailey, has won this week's Rising Star. <laughs> this week's highlights a missed goal snap, endless setup handballs. Must have been a light week for rookies. Jake, throw that one to you. Yeah, well, you know, Bailey Smith has been, you know, one of the Bulldogs' best rookies for the year. So I think um, Sydney Snacks or Sydney Snack, no, Sydney Stack and Noah Bolter. I'm, I'm not actually sure if Bolter's eligible, but I reckon one of them would have got a look in before Bailey Smith. He did have 28 disposals to his credit, and he was probably one of the Bulldogs' best in general. Bailey Smith, 28 touches, five clearances, three tackles, two one percenters. So yeah, he's had a pretty good game. So I think that's that's pretty deserved. Um, but yeah, maybe he does need to get a haircut. Chris is right. <laughs> <laughs> good point, Chris. I like it. I like Tom Stewart just standing up in front of Bailey Smith's face. Just yeah, it, it was a bit of <laughs> yeah. This is our turn. This is Geelong. Oh, Ben Jarman says. Was it the Bulldogs forwards who looked good in the first couple of terms or defence being shaky at times? Good to see the win, but felt a little like the North Melbourne game where we let them in at times. Go Cats, looking forward to the podcast. Yeah, we definitely did let them in um, once or twice. They just didn't go away, you know, for, for an extended period of the game. They just kept nagging. Kept nagging, kept nagging, kept nagging, and we just uh, eventually steadied the ship and pulled away from them once or twice uh, when we needed to. You know, putting a a gap of you know three or four consecutive goals on a couple of times. But you know, in typical bulldog fashion, they kept coming back and kept uh, kept fighting. You know, they're a, they're a pretty combative team. Um, they've built their brand and their you know, reputation on that sort of uh, of a game. That's the way they play their football. They don't give up. So, um, you know, we we eventually did well to to just ground them down and and pull away. Yeah, my take there, Ben, is that the Bulldogs forwards weren't prolific for me. Bontempelli and Mitch Wallace were the only ones for the Dogs who had two goals. Everyone else held singular goals. I think Aaron Norton's goal was uh, Blitzar's accidental spoil that he flipped towards the goal and Aaron Norton ran on and kicked it from memory. Another one was Jack Henry uh, that should have put at least a spoil or a a contested mark in that led to a straight Bulldogs goal. So I didn't think their forwards were very prolific at all, but the fact that it was Geelong, 50 inside 50s, and Western Bulldogs, 50 inside 50, showed that their midfield was really up for this match and kept peppering and rebounding um, our defensive inside 50. So I don't think it was so much the the Bulldogs forwards as opposed to the mids, as we've identified uh, earlier in the podcast, that that really took it to us this match. But fair play to our defence for countering that. At the same time... 
have to respect Western Bulldogs for putting 89 points on the board at Kenya Park, which is against the the best defense in the competition. If we're putting ourselves ahead of West Coast, it's a pretty good achievement. It's a good sign when opposition forwards are getting their goals from defensive mistakes, you know, a couple of defensive mistakes, rather than, you know, them just easily, you know, setting up kicks and going back for set shots and get set shots and getting easy goals from there. So all we have to do is just, you know, take two or three mistakes out and they're three or four goals down and we're looking better off for it. Yeah, exactly. Jake, Sam Batty says, thanks for answering my question a couple of weeks ago, boys. Anytime, Sam. Love to. My question is, looking at our games after the bye, it all reads like a line of bottoms for us to sink our boots into, with exceptions being Richmond at the G, which we mentioned just before, actually, and Lions at the Gabba. Great one there, Sam. They are a formidable force this season. We just keep winning, and it is once again a fantastic time to go for the Catters. But will all these clinchy games make us soft when we face, say, Collingwood? especially considering what happened last year when we were dropped Gold Coast and Frio and then smashed by Melbourne. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a good point to raise. And I was actually looking back just through last year's picture and the results and I saw, you know, that massive those two massive games we had against Gold Coast and Frio. And then it felt like such a long wait between those two games and the the Melbourne final. And I forgot I forgot about the, you know, there's the week off now between the end of round 23 and finals. And yeah, I, I I am of the belief that if you play too many easy games, you're going to get sort of desensitized to how tough you have to tackle and how hard you have to run and how good you have to be with your kicking to beat a really good side. I don't think we've been in that headspace at all this year. I think the only game where we might have been like that was against Melbourne when they were just, you know, listless in the first four games of the season. But mm. I still think we really put our head down in that game and and you know you know buckled down for the full four quarters and and did a a, cons- a concerted effort for the whole game. I don't think we, I've seen us in that headspace of oh yeah this team's rubbish and we're just going to kick ten goals this quarter no worries and then we'll just go into the rooms and sing the song half assed and then no worries on to next week. I, I haven't seen that headspace at all this year, which is uh, a real positive. I think we've been going into every game genuinely trying to win and play our 100% best and to me it just feels like players like Stewart and Blitzarves and Selwood are leading that charge and you know the leaders would want to be imposing that sort of headspace onto the other players and you know there's times when you know you, you kick a goal or take mark of the year as we saw with Stewart and have a little laugh and a bit of a smile and you know Grind Myers has been good for that too but I definitely think you know when the ball bounces after the goal we're back into that headspace of um, you know 100% attitude and doing the right thing. Sam, I think it's a really good comment, especially raising Brisbane there because they're a totally different team this season and they've just shown that through their matches. We have played tough opposition who have really brought it to us. We won by 44 points, but there's no disputing that Western Bulldogs, the midfield really did put it to us this match. But what I'm thinking of reading Sam Batty's comment there is 2018, our last two matches... We flogged the opposition by over 100 points in both matches, being Fremantle and Gold Coast from memory. The very next match, a high-pressure outfit, Melbourne Demons at the MCG. So 
So we finished this year against Carlton. Prior to that, we've got Brisbane, North Melbourne, Frio. So it should be on paper some tough, tough opposition that will bring it to us. There's a Hawks match just before Sydney. Uh, so I don't think it is as bad as, as last season in terms of playing easy opposition, uh, going into finals, the week's break, uh, having just over three-figure wins uh, and not being prepped for real hard combative opposition. So a great point there, Sam. And, the main, and, then that, that brings up another, another sort of question. All, you know, we're eight and one now and, and that's all good and well, but the biggest, you know, monkey on the back for this club has been finals over the last, you know, since 2011. We, every final series, we've just played a sh- one shocking game at least. And only the last couple of years have we started actually winning finals again. And, you know, that Sydney one was fantastic, but I don't think Sydney were mentally prepared to play that game. So if we get to the end of round 23 and we get to that, you know, pre-finals by you just wipe the you wipe the slate clean you start again and you you start another season if we you know if we play finals and once we get there I think that's the biggest thing that we'd be focusing on after we make top four that's that's exactly right I mean you you, yeah you wouldn't want to be um over complicating it or um all this work for yeah exactly (laughs) Overthinking it or overcomplicating it. Just, um, you know, it's one month of football once you make finals, essentially. Yeah. If, um, especially in the case of, a, you know, a, a team that's only snuck into the eight. Look at the Bulldogs um, 2016. We bring this up often. Uh, you know, they just had a, a month of, uh, you know, the, the dreams yes, of making football. Um, <laughs> You know, you can see how hungry they were. Yeah, just the best month of their life, and it won them a flag. It's difficult to replicate, but it's possible. So you know, Geelong, at its absolute best, can beat more or less beat anybody. But there are a couple of other teams that are also capable of that when they're playing at a high standard. So you know, it's not going to be something that we can just waltz into and think, you know, we've got this one at quarter time or we'll have it one at half time and then we can just kind of coast for the rest of the game. You know, finals are a completely different proposition. So we can win as many home and away games as we like, but, um, you know, the the pressure cooker environment, the um, temperature will go up in finals and we're going to have to... Um, demonstrate that we have matured and um i I expect that we have i expect that we're playing i expect we're playing somewhat of a final standard of football um at least when we're playing our best so far this year we're playing with an intensity that some other teams just haven't been prepared for which seems to be reminiscent of a finals intensity so um if we can maintain that for you know the larger portion of the year and and replicate it in September, then um, you know good things could be c- coming our way. And albeit uh, a minor injury to Dangerfield for one to two weeks, uh, which I'm not worried about. Chris Scott isn't worried about, given our upcoming fixtures uh, and the team as a whole. 
no injuries in the VFL as well with the likes of Scoot, Jed Buse, Zach Smith, other young players, Zach Guffrey, Parson, Sam Simpson, Fogarty playing really well at the moment. Reasons to be happy. But we'll start previewing the, the upcoming match at Metricon Stadium on Saturday against Gold Coast, Gold Coast Suns. We do have one more day rest in hand than Gold Coast. They played on the Sunday against Port Adelaide. Was a 38-point loss in the end, but halfway through the, the third quarter, Jake, Gold Coast were actually on top. They they pressed it to Port Adelaide at times. Fiorini was fantastic on the day. 38 disposals, a goal, five tackles. Uh, Dustin McPherson had another great game as well. 12 tackles, Tom Atkins-esque. Jared Witt in the Rock, I think, will be the really telling one here if we are to play um, Darcy Fort. Uh, not that Darcy Fort will be the predominant number one Rockman. Given Chris Scott's statements, do you expect Reece Stanley being back in the team this week? Yeah, based on what he said, I, I'd expect Stanley back in the team. And, and you're right, Jared Witt is, is a fantastic and you know big-bodied tap Rockman. Um, this is a fantastic year for for to be a Gold Coast, you know, part of the Gold Coast. Whether you're a player or supporter, they're really building some respect. They've been in every game um, essentially this year, except for that one against Adelaide when they got smashed in Eddie Betts' three uh, hundredth game. Um, they they've really been they've had an opportunity to win every game at stages, and they've been absolutely competitive in every single one. So. I'd expect them to, you know, come out firing and push us. They're a young team that have a lot of energy and, and their skills are, when they're on, can be really damaging. Um, this will probably, well, in my head, I'm feeling like it's going to turn out similarly to our first ever game against Gold Coast up at Metricon Stadium where they pushed us all the way to half time and then we blew them away. Hopefully it's like the first time we played the Gold Coast at Metricon where they pushed us all the way to half time. And then we blew them away in the second half. And I think Steve Johnson kicked seven goals that day. And hopefully we get another return like that from the new Steve Johnson, Grind Myers. <laughs> Ollie, you, you're right. You, you take every match and every team on its merits. Nick Holman's been a good tagger for the Gold Coast. We will see some of our ex-caps playing. We'll, definitely Murdoch will play. Potentially George Holland-Smith. Not sure if he's fitness right now, um, but they do have some, some players that have been very, very serviceable for them over the years. Um, David Swallow being one, Anthony Miles now performing for Gold Coast, being uh, performing very well. Sexton thought was having a great year, actually, for me. They did put Ben King in on the weekend, and I'm not going to have a crack at him all because he's a super, super young kid, but up against Blitzarves, Tom Stewart, I'm not worried about their forward at forward line at all. Uh, I know Sam Collins having a fantastic year in defence. At the same time, our forward line, our forward pressure has shown that on paper we're obviously a much better team than them. I think it'll just prove how the, the, the game style that Stuart Jew employs, whether he wants to slow it down and kick through Peter Wright, gain a stoppage on the wing. At times, if he wants to go fast through the centre, play every match and play every game on its merits, respect the opposition. But for me, this has to be 4.1. Your thoughts, all? 
Um, yeah, I more or less agree with uh, most of your assessment there. Um, you know, we can't, like we've said, we can't go into this game expecting that it's going to just be some game that we walk into and just take the points and then be on our merry way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Gold Coast do push us a little bit for at least a, you know, a, a probably a half they're going to be in the game. Um, and if we're not careful, they might push us uh, a bit further. So we, we have to um, be on. We have to be honest. I'm kind of hoping that the that the uh, Suns can make us honest and kind of push us to play better and to force us to put them away. Um, you know, use this game as a bit of a tune-up if we can. I think we'll finish off just before we get to our upcoming Cloud Academy of the Weeks at Gold Coast. Just reliving some of our favourite moment, moments from the Western Bulldogs match. We'll start with you, Oh. Oh, just the uh, Gary Rowan wind-up celebration after his snap at the members' side of the ground. Cloud took a, a great shot of that. Thanks, Jake. That is a fantastic video. That's yeah, some of no best worries. Best. I, it was, he was one of the ones that I haven't really got in action yet. Um, no, I, I got the first snap away of him kicking the goal, and then I I knew he's, he was a big celebrator, so I just kept the shutter button down. I kept clicking away, and he did the one fist pump, and then he went back for the big like underarm fist pump, and I was just sort of making a noise out of my mouth like, uh, <laughs> I was just really glad that he kept it going, and I kept shooting, and yeah, turned it into a little gift, which we just posted up on the page, so yeah, it looked awesome. My favourite on the weekends, no, I, I can't say Stuart's crowd, we've already mentioned that, but Grindmeyer's selling <laughs> candy. Yeah. I think he kicks it straight to, from memory, Darcy Fort marked it, actually. Yeah, he did. The, the best thing about that, though, was that both of those Bulldogs defenders were just corralling them, and they were just, they thought they had him, like, caught dead cold, and they were like, oh, one of us would just get in tackle. And then he just went, zip, out the back, and before they knew it, it was, it was that quick, and it was awesome, yeah. D- definitely Mitch, Mitch Duncan's goal when he... uh at the end of that play with Dangerfield and Tim Kelly was a great moment and it was a, a big roar from the crowd and I did get a nice pick of that too. He just strolled in casually and, and slotted that goal from 30 out. It was awesome. That was probably the the best bit of team play yeah. for the game from us. Um, yep. And one of the best uh, bit of team play for the entire year, to be honest. I reckon, yeah. Move on, I guess finalising our upcoming Cloudy Cat of the Week and predictions against Gold Coast at Metricon Stadium this Saturday. I think I'm just going to back in Mitch Duncan again just to do Mitch oh. Duncan's things. Yep. So, at the very minimum, Mitch, I want some 93% disposal efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cats by... I'm going to say Cats by... Six goals. However, I would actually like if Gold Coast turn up and really bring it to us. And Stuart Jew has some things that we're not quite sure about until the day. Yep. My Cloud of Cat of the Week 
this week, I will continue the obvious uh, affection that we've now gained for um, for Gary Rowan. Yeah, I expect him to continue his form. It's either, but you know, I mean, the the two the two uh, club new club favourites, new fan favourites, um, Brian Myers and. Um, and Gary Rowan, I'll go with, you know, it's basically just uh, interchange between the two of them every week as, um, you know, they're bound to provide a few highlights. Gary Rowan's just in career-best form at the moment, it's obvious. Yeah. Um, and I think we've made mention in the past that Sydney probably didn't utilise him as best as they could have. Um, and Geelong is well suited to his style of play and being a top 10 draft pick number six it's now becoming evident that he is highly talented when he's fit so yeah he's my clatter cat of the week and cats to win by i will say 26 points i love it chucky the surprise of the season for me actually jake your upcoming Cloud of Cat of the Week? Just quietly, Tom Hawkins is sitting second in the Coleman medal ladder with 23 goals and nine behind. So a very accurate year for Tom. I'm going to back him in for a bag of seven this week against Gold Coast and Ooh. Cats to win by 44. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Bring it on, Jeremy Cameron. I love it. Up the Cats. Put this away. Four points. A match on paper that we should win. Take every match in its merit. Respect the opposition. Support them all the way, boys. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.